Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So here we start another month, July, and the topic under the heading reemergence for 2022, this topic for July is growth, growth. Uh, So here's what growth means. The act or process of development, a gradual increase, development from a simple to a complex stage a natural process, growth. So what I know to be true, and you can ask yourself this, is that we are all here on planet earth to grow. And I would add evolve, but that means that we have to be consciously aware of what that natural process is. Where do we want to develop? What areas of our life do we need to develop or slowly increase? What areas of our life do we need to become consciously aware so that we can not just change them, but grow in a happy, positive way to grow our inner awareness, our inner connection to source energy, to grow our relationships in happy, healthy ways that are, that's a natural process, not a forced process? Where do we need to grow in order to be more in service to humanity? Because that's my dealy do being in service to humanity, if you haven't gotten that yet. So growth, something to think about again, love when people think and love when people grow. Enjoy the shows. So hi, everybody. We have a Uh, An amazing guest today. I guess I say that often, but all my guests are really, oh, I was going to say a bad word, are pretty effing amazing. And I'm so grateful to have that as my job to get to have these amazing conversations. So I uh, want to welcome an author who just came out with a book. It's entitled Healing from Great Loss. Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. I want to welcome Ann Clark. Ann, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. When, when I received your book, it, I, as I had shared with you before we started, I, I, I had just finished teaching a, a class on another book called The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife. And then all these other books came in about, you know, it's almost like spirit uh, you know, and all, everybody in my soul group wants me to know and that all of these authors are out there because your, your work is amazing. And you've been, this has kind of been a long journey for you, hasn't it? Yes. Both the journey from grieving from the loss of my daughter and also the growth that I've done since I retired early from my university faculty position to pursue work with past life regression and life between lives. So, okay. So now we've got like a whole bunch, you just like opened up the top of the box and everything in Pandora's thing is coming out, right? Because I, I wonder if people even understand what past life regression is. And I, I so I want to talk about that. 
and lives be- between lives. But first, let's talk about you said to me that there's two purposes for this book. So explain that to everybody. Yes. This book is different than other books on grieving in two respects. First of all, this book is written from the perspective of the soul. Secondly, it's different because it uh, picks up where other books on grieving have left off. It picks up after you've been through the typical common stages of grieving, however long that takes, but are still left feeling kind of empty and dead inside, like you'll never be as happy again as you were before your loss occurred. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's important because I think, well, especially after reemerging from this whole pandemic thing and, and, and what's also going on around the world currently, but so much loss, so much grieving, so much with all those emotions that, you know, the, the forefront emotions of anger and denial and all that. So I love that your book is addressing, it's not residual stuff from grief, but that the emptied out feeling and how to reset. And, and it, and so let's talk just a bit about uh, why it's written from the perspective of the soul? Well, first of all, my work as a spiritual hypnotherapist centers on the soul in both my past life regression work and life between lives. And I've learned much about loss and grieving from that perspective. However, when I lost my daughter, it was as if I'd forgotten all that for a while because it hit me so hard. And one of the reasons that it hit me so hard and hurt so much worse than any other loss that I had experienced in my life is that my daughter had been the victim of a brutal rape and robbery. Uh, She was left for dead. She was so broken afterwards that I just turned my total attention and my life really toward helping her recover. It wasn't that I stopped with my usual activities. It was just that my focus was totally on her. Mm -hmm. And through that focus, I kind of lost my connection with my inner guidance. So when I lost her, I was really lost. Right. And it's interesting to me, and or at least this is what I notice with my clients, uh, and not that I do grief work, but the um, so many people are not connected to their inner guidance, and so when something, a trauma, a very traumatic event occurs, there there is a a complete disconnect at, at often, and people get stuck in one or several. Uh, emotions that that aren't necessarily life-affirming for them. Yes. Yes, I definitely agree. I think that being disconnected from our inner guidance can occur in a number of ways. First of all, we can be focused too heavily on someone or someone outside of ourselves or a quest, or we can be simply living such a busy and distracted life that we never take any time to look at what's going on inside of us, or 
we can be one of those people who's decided just to live life on the surface, ignoring the imperative that we all have for personal growth. Exactly. That is, and I've talked about this many times on my show, that we are all divine sparks incarnated here for a purpose. And it's a high holy purpose in if you want to add adjectives to it, but it's a, it's a fundamental purpose for the soul's evolution. Uh, and, and that evolution contributes to the greater good contributes to the higher, uh, oneness consciousness, which is why every single individual, I believe that's on the planet right now has a purpose. And that purpose is to learn, grow and evolve. Yes. 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 My work is, is based on the idea that we are souls who come to earth to join with the human body and to do just that, to learn and grow and evolve. So each time we come to earth, we come with a purpose and certain lessons that we want to learn. Our lives are planned carefully. We plan who we're going to incarnate with, where we're going to incarnate. We even choose our bodies. Right. And I guess I chose red hair. Who knew? Uh, just so I could know, remember myself maybe or something. I don't know. Um, so explain to us, Anne, about past life regression, because this is, this is part, this is a lot of the work that you do now. Yes. Past life regression means going into a light trance and then being guided back to one or more of your past lives. One of the theories about past lives is that it's based on reincarnation, mm-hmm. that we come back to earth repeatedly with new bodies in new time periods to continue to learn lessons. What we don't learn in one life, we just pick up again in our next life. There are other theories of past life regression, but my support of it and my work with it is that I've seen tremendous healing occur from past lives. One of the things that I do during my sessions is whatever past life my client will go to, I will ask, why did you visit that particular past life? What were you meant to see or learn? And also, what did you learn from that past life? Mm -hmm. And then we go from there. Mm -hmm. So in healing. So, okay, hold on. Let me repeat back to you what I think I heard you say. How's that? Yes. So past life regression takes you to, uh, can take you to a a past life where, where uh, maybe you didn't learn something and it's reoccurring in this life. Yes. Okay. And so then once you go back to that past life and you can go, aha, that's what, that was the mandate then. And this is kind of my experience now. So I must be needing to learn this. Yes. That will help you find attitudes and behaviors Mm -hmm. that are blocking you from moving forward and learning certain lessons. I've been practicing past life regression since 2007. And during those years, I've done literally thousands of sessions. I've never found one that did not relate to the current life. Oh, okay. So 
So that to me, it's not a linear uh, timeline necessarily, but we are all on kind of an infinite timeline as every time we come back, we're still, there's still parts of us from previous lifetimes that are coming through in this current incarnation? The lessons that we didn't learn in previous lives recycle. They come back again. We have another chance to learn those lessons. And And when we do our planning for our current life, we try to set up a situation. We try to choose a family, a location, a body, a situation where we can better learn that lesson. And if, and what if we don't learn the lesson, Anne? Then we stage it differently for the next life. For the next time. Oh, I, when I was younger I, I, and I was going through bouts of depression and there were some suicidal thoughts, and, but I was attuned enough as in my spiritual um, connection, I guess, to recognize that that wasn't the choice I wanted to make this lifetime because I would have to come back and, you know, look at why I did, you know, I just was like, no, no, let's just go through this because I'm here to learn something about this and not and exiting, exiting stage left in the middle of that learning isn't going to help me learn it. Yes, that's right. Well, I learned a lesson from the loss of my daughter my great loss that I've been trying to learn for literally lifetimes. Wow. The lesson that I learned was I'm a helper. And I like that about myself because I want to love and help other people. But my lesson was that I have a tendency to help too much in cases where People should be actually helping themselves. And in the process, I neglect my own self-care. I'd learned it up to the point of being able to execute it in almost all parts of my life, except in intimate relationships. Interesting. And I would imagine that lesson is for so many people, especially women, that we're here to nurture, love, and help, and we, to the exclusion of our own health and well-being or happiness at times. Yes. Why is that a collective learning? It seems to be very pervasive. And I think sometimes the approaches we take here on earth to that behavior is to shame the person for doing it. You're codependent or you're, you're just, you're trying to control the beauty of spirit and the way that teaching occurs through our spiritual experiences is there is never any judgment. The learning always occurs through love and caring, and it's very easy to swallow, to accept, given that that stance. When I'm in that kind of learning, Anne, I don't feel like it's loving and accepting. Oh, (laughs) because I think I, I am personally in so much judgment about me. And I know this is true. Self, the self-critical mind always, you know, yammering at us. Uh, but learn, but recognizing that we're learning through love. That's a big one right there. Yes. 
and non-judgment. Yes. That almost seems like it's impossible for the human mind to comprehend. One of the lessons that I took away from this experience is that the way that we can truly help others is to love them and give them a space to figure out things for themselves. Well, that's certainly, it, it's, I, I, I have a son who's 20, going to be 28. And, and that's my ongoing lesson with him is to love him and let him make his own choices and have his own consequences and just be there still loving him. So, yes. um, yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, so then let's go to the, your book, great loss. And it's face, you say facing pain and grief in order to recover your authentic self. So explain some of that to us. Yes. The book is not just about loss of a loved one, but all sorts of losses. And in the book, I give examples of many different kinds of losses that this applies to. Often we get through the loss, more or less, and we move beyond it. We go back to our normal lives. But we may be carrying around with us a lot of unhealed hurt and pain inside. Mm -hmm. It keeps us from truly enjoying life. And also we can fall back into the same patterns that led us into the loss to begin with. So the key is to really look at healing. My experience of great loss taught me that not all losses are created equal. Some of them are much more painful, much harder than others. And those are the ones that include within them a gift. And that gift is if we take the time to heal from that loss, we can heal all past losses as well, because they all come up for healing when we have this kind of loss. Okay. So that sounds really great to me, although it sounds like that's a lot of pain to slog through if it's not just one event. And, and, and to be honest, Anne, this, this is my personal experience. I, I've been doing a lot of inner healing over the last year and a half. And, and as one comes up for recognition and um, understanding and illumination, you know, then another one comes up behind it. And it's, so it's, there's a part of me, and I think a lot of people feel this way. When is it going to be done, right? When is all that healing going to be done? Well, the good news is it will be done. And when it is, you suddenly feel light and joyful and you're able to move on without the encumbrance of carrying around all that hidden grief. Okay. So- and then able to be present for the joys and happiness that you can have in your life. You're describing um, my sweet cousin right now who never healed from, I shared this with you, never healed from his mother's death at age 18 when he was 18. And now his father is beginning to make his transition and he's not there. He's not present for his wife or his children because he's in so much grief and pain and trying to make it go away or, you know, trying to create longevity for his father, which is, he can't do. 
you know, and so he's not present at all. And what's occurring is then his physical body is developing um, dis-ease. Yes. Because he's, he's, he's just stuck in the grief pain. Yes. Well, I'm a nurse and I did not realize until I had this loss, the tremendous physical, psychological, and spiritual toll that a great loss takes on our being. Uh, I cover that quite extensively in my book, that we really need to do physical healing, psychological healing, spiritual healing, and then we need to tend specifically to the wounds that have been created by our loss. But the good news is it is not only doable, but when you do this, you get back on your life path, you find purpose, you find new meaning, you find new joy in your life. So is so it's all, it sounds to me like sometimes a great loss can just be um, a diversion for our our soul learning. You know, it when we incarnate, we tend to be involved in the bright and shiny. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Not that grief is a bright and shiny, but it can it can divert us from our our life path, right? As opposed, if we're not unaware that that loss is part of our healing, yes, our learning, yes. To me, a great loss is an invitation from our soul to get back on our life path. A great I read loss that in your occurs, book. I love that phrase. As an, it's an invitation to get back on our soul path. Yes, yes. Um, a great loss occurs when we've drifted off our life path. We make plans for our life, set a purpose, set lessons we want to learn before we incarnate, but we forget that through amnesia, incarnation amnesia, when we actually get here. But there's a fallback, and that is we carry with us, inside of us, soul energy, our higher self that provides us with guidance for our life. That's that still small voice within. But when we become too distracted, put our attention on other things and don't attend to our inner guidance, it's very likely we're going to drift pretty far off our life path. I, I hope everybody that's listening just heard what Anne said, because that is my belief as well. I, it, it's actually been my experience. So if, you, if, you, if you're listening to me saying this and you didn't hear what Anne just said, you need to rewind and hear it again. Yeah. Because it's so important that we, when we incarnate, that we, we do follow as as much as humanly and egoically possible, our um, life purpose, our, our, our learning purpose while we're here. Yes. And uh, in my book, I outline methods for getting back in touch with that inner guidance. So what's one of the methods, Anne? I'm curious. One of the things that worked really well for me, it was one of my favorite, I list about 15 things, but the one that was my favorite and really helped me break through was after the loss of my daughter, when the house was dark and everyone else had gone to bed, I would sit in my favorite chair, stuffed chair in the living room with all the lights out. And I would just contemplate my situation. And I started hearing my inner voice during that time. At first, it was just giving me lots of 
instructions for self-care because heaven knows I needed it Mm -hmm. at that point. But later it started giving me other kinds of directions. And I suddenly realized that I'd made a very valuable connection and it was providing me with guidance about how to move forward in my life. One of the pieces of guidance I was given is when you get through all this, you need to write it down and share it with others. And that's very important because so many people, like you mentioned earlier, are just so busy just trying to keep their heads above water when they've gone through a really rough uh, grief episode or loss, a great loss. Yes. And some of the other things that I think are helpful are journaling, spending time in nature, listening to soulful music that allows you to drift off and hear what's inside. And uh, another thing that is very, very helpful to some people is taking some quiet time and just being as quiet as possible and letting whatever comes into the, to your mind come. You'll be surprised at what might come. Oh my gosh. I, so that's my, that's my, ongoing practice now is, is in the morning, instead of rushing into my day, I spend about an hour uh, in my backyard. So there's the nature component with my journal and there's the writing component and, and listening. And sometimes I need something like your book to, to give me something to contemplate that will then help. uh, it, It helps stimulate the inner questing that I do every morning and, and then listening, just listening to what comes through. That's great. That's a wonderful practice. Yeah. I, well, I really believe that our inner, our, our inner wisdom resides in our heart. And when we listen to that inner wisdom, that heart wisdom, um, not the mind, but the heart, right. We begin to really hear answers, solutions to issues and problems. And, and like you said, the guidance that like you received in that, what everything you were going through was eventually needed to be put into a book to be shared with others. And that goes back to how you, you are a helper and you love to help with love. Yes. Yes. I think we have three sources of intelligence, our mind, our hearts, and our gut. Mm-hmm. Each one of those will provide us with vital information about how to be happy and productive in our lives. And it's very important to listen to that. So many people don't. Yes. They, they, they get too busy. And then a little bit later down the line, they're like, oh, I should have listened to myself. I should have. So, uh, and go just circling back a bit, how does just doing past life regression help with great loss? Yes. One of the things that I've expanded, I've expanded my past life regression sessions somewhat because I've started dealing with so many people who are coping with grief. And so not only does it help, we, they often go back to a past life in which they had losses and perhaps they didn't handle the grieving very well. The other thing we do is we also make space for a connection with the lost loved one because we don't really die 
our lost loved one is still right there, close to us, still interested in loving us, wanting to be a part of our lives. And it is possible to establish communication with them. I outline how to do so in my book. Um, and is that, I'm, hold on. I'm here. So I want to ask is how valuable is that? Because it's, does that create another sidetrack for people or does it de- really help with a deeper healing? You know what I mean? Like getting caught up in, oh, my mom crossed over and now she's telling me I, I shouldn't wear those socks or, you know, I, I'm making up silly stuff. But my experience is when a lost loved one comes through during the sessions that I do, they really only do two things. They say hello and they say, I love you. Once in a while, they will say, Stop feeling guilty. There was Mm -hmm. nothing you could do. Uh, The only thing they will do is radiate love and let the person know you're not alone. I'm still around. And that radiating love from somebody that they're they're feeling such a loss about, I would imagine, becomes like a, a, a just a very warm blanket that helps them. Yes. And by and large, the spirit world, this is especially true for our spirit guides who are with us and help guide us through the through life. They may try and set things up for us, um, but they are, and they may try to give us information that will be useful to us, but they will never tell us what to do because it is our choice what we do. We make our own decisions. Our loved ones in spirit do the same thing. They show us love. They may give us some information, but what we do with that is totally up to us. We make our own decisions. Right. And that's the most important thing about a soul's um, learning process is it's up to each individual soul to make their own choices. And and so for people that aren't... um, spiritually awake, I, I noticed when I started this path years ago, um, I, I felt this huge sense of taking self-responsibility, you know, that it was important for me to be responsible for myself, not to outsource my uh, learning or my opinions to others, but to really understand what my learning path was and, and then be responsible for it. And so the, if, if I digressed off of it, that was also my responsibility to get me back on my spiritual path. Well, what I think about that is we're here to learn and grow, but another reason we're here is to have fun. And really, it's it's a place where we can fall in love and where we can have adventures. And so really, the rather than think this is something difficult, We should look at life as an adventure, as having fun, as learning as we go. And it's not a big responsibility if we just let it flow and we keep our awareness on the present moment. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. You said that specifically to me, you know, so. (laughs) 
So I want I want to ask you also because you mentioned at the beginning um, lives between lives. So what does that mean? Yes. Well, if we follow the reincarnation model and we come to life to live uh, a life on earth, and then we return to the spirit world until we're ready to reincarnate again, the question could be asked, what happens in between? And that is what life between lives sessions are all about. It entails a visit to the spirit realm where we can talk with our guides, wise beings, find out what, what it is we do when we're in That's the spirit. That's fascinating. I hadn't heard it explained that way. So, um, and then that, does that, then that informs us specifically for this particular learning yes. program we're here to do this lifetime. Yes, we can ask about our purpose. We can ask many questions uh, about the nature of the universe, about our personal life, about anything we want to ask. And also we can find out why did we plan the life, our life the way we did? What were some of the things we wanted to learn? How are we doing at this point? Oh, I what think would I be helpful to, to us in making more progress? Yeah, it sounds and, like a good check-in point. And we can also find out who that is in our current life now is part of our soul family. I'm, I'm making, yes, that, that's important too, because some of the people that may be placed in our pathway that we don't feel uh, quite so kind and gentle towards might be in our soul path, our soul. Absolutely. The, the souls who love us the most will agree to come and play maybe a difficult role in our lives so that we can learn, so that we can grow. They're actually loving and supporting us, but it may not feel like that. Okay, I'm just going to process that for a little bit, and thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. So what else do you want to say about your book before we close today? I'd like to talk about defining moments. This is very important. A defining moment is something that it's a choice that comes up. It's like a fork in the road. You go one way or the other way. There are some big defining moments in our lives. For example, when we decide who to marry or what career to follow, those are big defining moments. But the defining moments that are important after you've experienced a great loss are smaller defining moments. It's when you have a choice to do something or not, to uh, follow a path, uh, a minor path of uh, in your life. Uh, an example I'll give from my life is after I had my loss, I was still real in, really in the thick of the grieving. And I had an offer for a major project to sign on to. And immediately I thought, oh, that's great. So I jumped right into that. But after just a few weeks, I realized that I was keeping so busy and so distracted that I was not dealing with my feelings. So I made the wrong choice at that fork in the road. Mm -hmm. I went in the direction of becoming busy and distracted rather than in the fork that would lead me to healing. So these are smaller choices. You don't know when they're coming, 
They just catch us unaware. They come when they come. But we can prepare for them. And the way we prepare for them is we set a vision of what we want to achieve, that we want to heal our pain. We want to heal our grief. We want to completely work through this. And we also set a vision of what we want our life to be after loss. And if we have that vision in our mind, then we're very likely to make a good choice that's in our best self-interest when a defining moment comes along. I, I really appreciate that you said that, Anne, because um, that is basically what I did when I was going through a heart-shattering divorce. And I knew I didn't want to come out embittered because uh, I was meeting a lot of embittered women. And I, I knew I had a second half of life and I wanted it to be happy and I wanted to be healthy and vibrant and, you know, and all these things. And so I didn't realize that's what I, I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer in visioning and then focusing on and all that. But at the time it was just, it, it felt more like a, um, a life rope, you know, to pull me out of that, that horrible grief and darkness that I was in, uh, because the, it, the, the end of my 28 marriage was so horrific and to have a focus on something that would be life affirming and fun and happy and all that. And, and now I, I am living that very happy, fun, you know, exquisite life that I, I didn't even think was, would be mine. And especially when everything was so, when I was so shattered. Um, yes. So I appreciate you say, saying that because it's important for in order to move through something, you do have to have a something at the end of the line. Yes. It's not, it's not walking down a dark tunnel, trying to find the walls and the door so you can get out. It's really in, intending, like Wayne Dyer used to say, intending uh, how you want to be when you do emerge. Yes. And I want to mention that you made a good decision to heal after your divorce. What I see among a number of my clients are they make a different decision, like jumping right back into another relationship before they've totally healed or getting very busy and distracted again. So they bypass healing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate I'm patting myself on the back Anne's patting me on the back, everybody. I appreciate that. And in this conversation we just had about the soul group and the person that says, I'll come in and help you with that issue. I got some more healing to do around that because I think that's my ex-husband and I don't, you know, I do, I have lots more healing around that. <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. So the book is called healing from great loss. Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self by Ann Clark. Ann, thank you so much for um, joining me today and discussing everything. There's the book. And we'll have the, the cover in the show notes so you guys can find it. Now, where do they get this on Amazon? Yes, Amazon, Llewellyn, uh, any place where books are sold. It's all and, over. And do you have a website if people want to um, contact yes. you? Yes. Uh, my website is www. BirminghamHypnosis.com. And my email address is 
Hypno, H-Y-P-N-O, Ann Clark, A-N-N-C-L-A-R-K, at gmail.com. And do you work non-locally? Yes, I okay. work online, virtually. That's, that's good. That's important for, uh, for my listeners who aren't necessarily where you are. So, all right, Anne, thank you so much. And um, I'm, I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at SusanMorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.